Welcome to A Wild New Work, Ecological Guidance for Your Career. This podcast is about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, and it's all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm your host, Megan Leatherman. Hi, friends. Welcome to episode 17 of this podcast. Um, Today, we're focused on a conundrum that many of us have been in and that you might currently be in. And it's the question of, is it time to leave my job or career path or the organization organization I'm in, or should I buckle down and stay? Um, It's a really tough spot to be in. It's uncomfortable, um, and it can sort of wreak havoc on our nervous system. So today we're going to share some really effective, concrete ways to work with this place Mm -hmm. and to move past that question in a way that is healthy so that you can get into something even better, whether it means you did stay or you left or somewhere in between. So today is also a special day because we have our first guest on the podcast. Um, Here with me is my friend Megan Miller, who is the co-founder of A Wild New School, which is the newest offering of A Wild New Work. And we have our first course, the summer session, open up for enrollment and starting on June 20th, which I'll tell you more about in a minute. So Megan is my partner in that endeavor. She's also a mindfulness and self-care coach. We met in Portland when she was still here and she has years of experience as a therapist and is now um, diving deep into the world of coaching and really focused on mindfulness and self-care and really powerful, actionable ways to take good care and get grounded in your life. So I'm so honored to have Megan here and she's going to offer her expertise on this topic. Um, So welcome, Megan. Aw, thank you, Megan. That was a really lovely introduction. Thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. So I want to take a minute before we dive into the topic to tell folks more about A Wild New School because we have just opened enrollment for the summer course. Um, So A Wild New School is a nature-based seasonal school for career development. And we have our first session coming up this summer. On June 20th, we start with the summer session, which is focused on expansion. So getting big, ripening, sort of coming to fruition and really focusing on making this year your best one yet. It's a really good fit for anyone who's feeling, you know, stagnant, trapped, kind of burdened by their work life, no matter what it is that they actually do. This is really about helping people get into flow and stepping into their authentic selves and their strengths and using those to make the changes that your career really needs. So like I said, we start on June 20th, we meet for 12, 10 weeks, excuse me. um, And the course is really rich and robust. Um, It includes 10 weeks of written material, guided visualizations, embodiment exercises that get you outside and connected to nature. Um, The materials can be delivered digitally or mailed to your home, hard copy. It includes an opening call with me or Megan, um, a strengths assessment, community, accountability partners, optional guided walks. Like it's, it's full. It is a really strong container um, for this experience or the questions that you have about your career. So I'll be sharing more, you know, for my email community and on this podcast about it, but we are open and ready to receive you (laughs) into our school. Um, We've tried to make it really affordable and accessible. So it's 360 to do just online or 390 if you want to include the nature walks and there are payment plans available to make it easy for you. Um, so it's, we're really excited. Um, Megan, anything I missed, what would you add? 
Um, yeah, I'm just really excited about this project and this collaboration, and it's felt 100% aligned for me. I'm behind it 100% and really feel good about this project. Um, and I know you are a big fan of fall. Summer is my favorite season, so I'm really excited that we're starting with summer and the idea of expansion and getting bigger and growing into one's work, work life. Um, and I, I think you covered this, but um, just the idea that we, I think we've been really intentional about how to make this feel personalized for the participants that it's not just receiving information in their inbox once a week and um, doing this solo, but that we're really thinking about how to have conversations about career um, and how to help the participants really feel seen and supported, that it feels personal to them. Um, so I think that's important for people to know. Yeah, yeah, I'm proud of that as well. Um, so there will be a link in the show notes to learn more about Summer Session and the school. Um, you can always visit awildnewwork.com slash summer session to learn more. Um, and I also want to just share that on June 6th, on a Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we'll be doing a short webinar um, that's called Five Things You Can Do to Grow in Your Career This Summer, which is going to be focused on offering more like concrete ways to make the most of the season ahead. You know, whether you join us for the summer session or not, it's just going to be a really useful kind of dive into what you can be doing now to grow and expand in your career this season ahead. So again, show note for the links um, or wildnewwork.com. It's there for you. So with that, why don't I start us with our opening invocation? So wherever you are, go ahead and get grounded. Take a deep breath. See if you can get a little heavier in your body. May this episode and each of us that are listening to it be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Chinook people who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. So here we are, we are in Gemini season now. The sun moved into Gemini on May 21st. Um, we are here until the summer solstice on June 21st. Um, it's late spring. It's a really beautiful, vibrant time. And every season has its own sort of texture and flavor and things that we enjoy. Um, Megan, what are you noticing about this time of year? What, what is nice? What's difficult? What's happening for you down on the Oregon coast? <laughs> yeah, I, I love spring, but I forget how hard it can be. Um, and I, I think this spring has been really hard with the weather. The swings in the weather have felt really extreme to me. Um, I love the sun. I love the days getting longer, all of the new growth. We're heading towards summer. Like I said, summer is probably my favorite season. Um, so we'll have a day where it's bright and sunny and I'm outside on the porch and everything is just perfect and so easy. And then literally the next day it's pouring rain. It's gray. It's rainy. Um, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't have any motivation. I woke up this morning with a cough and a runny nose and the weather's gray. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot of things that are really exciting and inspiring and the newness and the growth. Um, but I, I forget that this time of year can be really hard because it, it swings so wildly. And I think that's where it's interesting 
interesting that it's Gemini season because that feels really appropriate. There's just like the two sides to it that feel really intense and can be kind of hard to reconcile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the main components of Gemini is this sort of feeling of chaos um, in terms of right. like its shadow side, the sense of like instability, like one day you get this and one day you get the next. And um, it's funny that you mentioned that because I like... I'll enjoy the sunny day for like one day, but then I'm like so glad that it's still (laughs) gray and rainy. So, um, we're holding space for all of that. (laughs) Yeah. It's different for everybody. Yeah. We all experience it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So Gemini is an air sign, which just means that it relates to our, uh, mental processes, our thoughts, our communication, what we, the messages that we want to share, the exchanges between us. And I think one of the most helpful symbols of Gemini in nature are pollinators. So if you think about what the pollinators are doing right now, whether it's bees or butterflies or birds, they are flittering about from flower to flower or tree to tree, kind of testing everything and kind of bopping around to what's interesting or what's appealing to them and kind of exchanging pollen as they go and just keeping what feels useful and kind of leaving the rest. It's a really kind of curious exploratory sign. So you can kind of imagine that or hold on to that this time of year and do that for yourself. I think this is a really perfect time to be creating a lot of options for yourself. And we wanted to talk about this question of staying or leaving because that place when we're in it can feel really disempowering and like we're just frozen, kind of stuck between these two scary options. Um, So Gemini in this season is really about lightening things up, moving, having more options, really expanding the possibilities. Not that the change ahead won't be scary, but we want to kind of bring some levity to it right now. So I want to share for a little bit about why it can be so hard to know when it's the right time to leave something, whether that's a job, a role, an organization, a business, a career path. Um, There's a lot that goes into why this feels so hard. So I think one of the first ones is just this phenomenon of sunk costs. So that's an economic term that just means that once you've invested in something, you're less likely to leave or your mind tells you that you can't leave because you've invested so much. I think a lot of people feel that in their jobs and in the relationships that they've built within an organization, it can feel like you've put so much into it. You know, how could you ever leave? The other one is that even if it's uncomfortable for you to be there, it's still somewhat comfortable to your brain because it's familiar. The unfamiliar or the unknown is often way more um, scary or intimidating to our brains, even if we're miserable where we are. So we have to know that that's happening, that our perceptions of what's possible are limited sometimes because what's unknown feels scary to our brains. Um, A lot of people, I think, stay longer than they need to in a place because they're not sure what's next. They don't know what would replace it. um, And they believe or bought into this belief that they have to stay until an exit plan becomes really clear, which isn't always the case. Um, I think it's less common than people think. A lot of times we have to kind of take the first step and trust that the rest is going to fall into place. We may have an idea of where we're headed. We may be really you know, planful and kind of do what we need to shore up our resources. But sometimes we do have to take the risk and just say we're leaving before something next comes up. 
Um, other reasons are that someone doesn't want to leave until they've really given it their best shot. Sometimes we sense that we want to get out, but we know deep down that there's something more to do in a job or in an organization. And that there's still a little bit work, a little bit of work that needs to be done before we can really close that chapter in a good way. Um, some people sense that something is going to shift, that they may not like where they are right now, but they just have this premonition or sense that something is going to change and to make it better. Um, and so we have to trust that intuition as well. Um, I know I might be making this cloudier than it needs to be, but for some of us, you know, it's harder to stay in a place. Like for me, my first tendency is usually to leave that like something needs to change. I'm just going to leave the situation. It's not working. And I have to become, I have to be very aware of that because I know that it's my tendency, my reaction. Um, for some people, it's harder to leave. Some people's first response when they're uncomfortable is to, you know, hunker down and to stay and hold on to what they do have. So you just have to know your own tendency, be really aware of it and watch it and watch how it comes up when you're in this place. Um, so we've all had this experience of wondering if it's time to leave something or stay. Um, and Megan, I think you have a really beautiful recent <laughs> example of this in your life. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about your move? Sure. Yeah, I do. Um, and it's interesting cause I think I tend to be, um, a, a stick with it person. Um, and I'm somebody who will contemplate a change for a really long time, but I, I tend to stick with things. And I even had a friend jokingly say, I need to be a better quitter, um, that I need to, that, that I tend to follow things out, whether they're working for me or not. Um, so I did just make a big change in the fall, um, that involved a couple of different facets of my life. I moved from Portland, um, and I was living in an apartment in the middle of the city where everything was accessible to me. I moved from Portland to a small town on the Oregon coast. Um, and not just a small town, but I live out in the middle of the woods, um, up a three mile dirt road, completely remote. And then the closest town is a very small town. So that was a big change. Um, I shifted my therapy practice from being in person to being entirely online as part of that transition. And I began a, a coaching program. So I decided to incorporate coaching into my business as well. And these were things, um, all of these changes were changes that I had contemplated for years. Um, and part of what prompted it is that I was in a relationship that was long distance and that was really taking a toll and we were constantly having conversations about how to be in the same place at the same time and going around and around with different options. And, um, so that really prompted the move as well as just feeling a little bit burnt out and overwhelmed around living in a city and wanting to have the experience of living in a more rural setting just to see how that felt. Um, but yeah, these are big questions and it's something that I thought about for years before I was able to make a decision and it wasn't a straight path. I don't know if you remember, I made one decision and decided that I was going to move to Eugene and it was kind of an, an intermediary decision. It was in between the two places that I, I wanted to be. It felt more affordable and more accessible. Um, and so I made that decision and I told everybody, this is what I'm doing and then it didn't feel right and this this change was already in process and I had to stop and say you know I started this process but what I had planned to do doesn't feel right anymore and so I had to shift gears 
in the middle of that transition. And it ended up working out just fine. And it felt like the right, I did end up making the right decision when I shifted gears. Um, but it's not linear. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, it was a long process for me. Um, but one of the things that I noticed, I do think there's a momentum to making decisions. Um, there's a lot of questions that are still on the table for me about what's working and not working, but I, I feel empowered by having made decisions and that there's a momentum. I guess that even if this isn't the right decision that I, I feel empowered to make another decision and to be more proactive moving forward, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. I think it's sort of like yeah. a muscle that you flex, like you're building that sort of trust in yourself and um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for sharing what you did about changing your mind in the process. I think that's really important. I think there's a lot of pressure for people to feel like they have one shot. <laughs> like if it's the wrong thing, they just have right. to go through with it anyway, but you're always right. allowed to make changes. It's your life. Like you, you get to decide what works and doesn't work. And I think what we are going to share in a few minutes will help you decipher like what is what is the right thing and it's you know how can you stay grounded even amidst the sort of chaos or in between time that we're in right now um Megan do you remember and can you speak to a little bit what that felt like in your body or in your mind like what what did that place really feel like what happens when we're in this in between point where we're trying to decide whether or not it's time to leave something yeah so some of the, I mean, the emotions were all over the place. Um, <clears throat> there was some intense anxiety about making a decision, making the wrong decision. Um, there was a lot of boredom and loneliness and disconnection around feeling stuck and feeling like what I was doing wasn't working. Um, a lack of motivation, a lack of inspiration about what I was doing. And at its worst, for me, it presents as depression. It presents as, I think, feel completely powerless and hopeless to be able to make the right decision that I need to make. Um, and as terrible as that feels, that is part of what motivated me to take action. As I remember, I had a day that I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't get out of bed. I had to call out of work. And it just, it sort of took me hitting a rock bottom and being like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'd rather do something different than keep doing something that's really, really not working for me. Me. Um, but this idea of stagnation comes up for me. I have a friend who talks about the six out of 10. I don't know if he came up with this idea or he heard it somewhere, but I, I felt like everything in my life was okay, but nothing was great. And I was really lacking inspiration. And it, it's kind of this idea of like a six out of 10 is great. You know, if you're, if you're at a two and you move to a six, it feels really wonderful. But if you just kind of exist at a six out of 10, it starts to feel, for me, it feels like this really sort of stagnant energy, mm -hmm. um, in this stuckness. And it can be really enticing because a six out of 10 isn't bad. And I kind of felt like everything in my life is pretty good. I just am not loving it. I don't feel super engaged with it in the way that I want to. Um, and I kept having this, this image as far as the, the mind piece or the mental piece. I remember talking in my own therapy about my plants and my, my house plants at home and saying, they're not doing very well. And it really bums me out. Like 
they're just not thriving. And somehow at the time, I couldn't quite make that connection. It's so obvious to me now that that's how I was feeling. They weren't dying. They weren't, you know, falling apart, but they weren't thriving. And I could feel that energy. Mm. Um, and so I, I think what we notice in our body is really powerful, but sometimes it's a word or an image um, that comes to mind that we just keep thinking about. And I kept thinking about my houseplants and how much it bothered me that they weren't growing and thriving. Um, and it was interesting to see that, that to make that connection of like, Oh, because that's how I'm feeling. Mm. Like I'm feeling like those houseplants that aren't really thriving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how are they doing now? <laughs> um, good question. They're still, they're still a little bit, stagnant. Um, but it doesn't bother me. I think it doesn't because Mm. I'm not quite feeling that way. So it doesn't register to me in the Mm. same way. Mm -hmm. Like there was something about seeing it and having it fit for me. Mm. Um, they're doing just fine. They're just not, yeah. Like they're, they're pretty, uh, pretty consistent, I guess. Yeah. That's so interesting that you bring that up one of the, so in the tarot decks, um, the lover's card in the major arcana corresponds to the sign of Gemini. And I think one of the most powerful lessons of that card is to look at what you see externally and see it as a mirror for what's happening internally, which doesn't mean that, you know, if you are living in a rough place or like, it, it doesn't mean that you are bad if what you see around you is not to your liking. But I think sometimes there are cases like that where we get an image or like a symbol or something in our external environment that really registers for us. And we can use it to raise awareness about what's happening internally and then make a change. So I love that you shared that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's really powerful. And actually now that you say that it's, I hadn't thought about this, but when I first moved here, they, they were doing really well. They were actually thriving. I forgot about that. They grew really big and I was kind of surprised at how well they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're maybe stagnant a little bit, which is also a little bit how I've been feeling. Um, so I, I will can continue to pay attention to that because I think that's a good, a good indicator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew we're so closely yeah. aligned with our house plants. <laughs> exactly. Um, I love what you shared. Other things I'll add about, in my experience, what this place has felt like. Um, Oftentimes when I'm in this middle where I'm trying to kind of decide whether to move a new way or stay where I am, I can get into this loop of really like black and white thinking. So feeling like there are really only two options and they both feel yucky and scary. And that's just because when we're in a state of tension or crisis, the blood flow to our, you know, prefrontal cortex, our executive thinking gets diminished. So we really have fewer creative faculties to be able to see that there are more than two options. So when I'm thinking like that, it's sort of a red flag for me that I need to get grounded and take care of myself so that I can remember that there are, you know, more than two flowers to pollinate. Um, other things that happen are all sort of conjure like worst case scenarios or feel like I'm catastrophizing, um, feeling like if I do this, everything's going to fall apart. Um, and then, like you mentioned, I think the constant analysis and decision fatigue can cause a lot of exhaustion and general sort of wariness, even if I'm getting enough sleep or exercising or doing the things that I, you know, 
want to be doing for my body. Um, there's still all of this like analysis happening at a subconscious level that takes a lot of energy. So I generally feel pretty worn down. Um, so if that's kind of a picture of what it's like to be in this place, um, how do we know when it is time to leave something or when it is time to stay and try to make it better? Um, I think, you know, I know in your work, you talk a lot about the body and body awareness. Um, what are your sort of thoughts about how we can check in with the body first to kind of get a pulse on where we're at in this big decision we're trying to make? Yeah, well, if if it's okay with you, we can go into the, the mindfulness exercise now. Um, I do have a, a brief mindfulness exercise I do with clients. And I'll say that the doing this exercise one time isn't going to give you the answer. It's really more of a practice of getting in tune with your body and then responding to the signals from the body. And I think what's really powerful about the body is it feels like more direct information about what we're needing, um, as opposed to when we only focus on the mind, I think it's easy to get stuck in what we should do and what other people expect from us and to lose sight of the information about what we're actually needing um, based on how we're doing physically and what, what's showing up in our body. Um, so is it okay to go into the mindfulness exercise now? Yeah. We can just do like a brief little check-in. Um, okay. So I do this with a lot of my clients. It's, it's very, very simple, and I'll shorten it for the sake of the, the podcast. Um, we do sometimes sit in silence for a couple of minutes when I do this with clients. And if any of your listeners are in a place where they can get quiet and want to close their eyes and participate, that's, that's great. Um, so the only instruction, if you feel comfortable closing your eyes, you can close your eyes. The only instruction is, I just want you to observe what's showing up in your body right now while we're doing this podcast. So any emotion, any sensation that you notice today. Um, and if you find yourself getting stuck in your mind, thinking about yesterday or tomorrow or your to-do list, just gently bring your awareness back to your body body and just observing without judgment what's showing up right now. Um, so if you, you feel comfortable with that, I'll, I'll let you decide how much time you want to check in, um, 10 to 20 seconds or so, whatever feels comfortable to you. And then when you're ready, um, let me know and I'll ask you a few questions and we can kind of get curious about it together. Does that sound good? Yeah, sounds okay. good. Okay. Okay. Um, this is unusual, but I'm actually noticing the absence of pain in my upper back. I usually have, and even as I'm talking, it's coming back, but I usually have um, oh, chronic pain in my right shoulder. Um, yeah. So as we were checking in, that was gone and it sort of is tingling back a little bit right now. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else that you noticed or was it mostly the absence of pain in your back? Yeah, that was the most 
obvious just because it's often there. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious if you noticed anything in that space in the absence of pain. Um, we tend to, to talk about positive emotion or relaxation or contented emotion as the absence of pain. Is there anything else that you noticed? Um, feeling relaxed, feeling contented, um, feeling like you could breathe a little bit more deeply, mm -hmm. um, feeling sort of peace or calm around that absence of pain. Yeah. It's sort of like a spaciousness. Um, like yeah. it feels like the blood yeah. is flowing. It's not tight and constricted like it often is. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's all always harder to describe when we feel good. And I, mm. I see this with clients all the time. We tend to describe it as the absence of pain or tension or anxiety. It's a lot harder to, to describe, you know, is that spaciousness? Is that, um, a tingling sensation? Is it that I can breathe a little bit more deeply? Is it that I feel relaxed in my body? Is it that my mind feels quiet? Um, so that's really lovely to hear that you notice that spaciousness and that absence of pain. Um, and then with the pain, I would just ask, is there anything that you know about that pain in your shoulder, like what that means or what that might be telling you? Um, and if not, that's okay. Sometimes we have pains that we can't explain or we don't really know what we need. Um, but is that an indicator for you about how you're doing or about something that you might be needing when you notice the pain? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been intimate with this pain for many years now and it comes up. Yeah. It's just like, the I think the first place my body holds tension. So that's like, it's like this yeah. nest of stress that <laughs> just like gets yeah. bigger on hard days. So it's sort of my barometer of how I'm doing and, um, you know, how much tension I'm holding. That's where it sort of lives for me. Yeah. Well, and that's really insightful of you that you know that and you can use that as an indicator. And that's that's one way that this exercise can be helpful is for people to tune into their own indicators of stress and overwhelm. You know, is it tension in the shoulders? Is it clenching your jaw? Is it um, your heart beating quickly? Is it your stomach feeling a little bit nauseous? And um, being able to, to tune into that and understand what that means and just getting curious about like, well, what is this telling me about how I'm doing? What is it telling me about what I might be needing right now? Um, so it sounds like for you, that's a really clear indicator about your stress level or overwhelm. And as you notice that, then you can start to make adjustments about like, okay, something's not working or maybe I need to scale back a little bit in some mm -hmm. part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, that that's something that you've discovered as being a real indicator for you about how you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking a minute to do that. Um, it, it's always different with every client and sometimes there's a wealth of information and sometimes it's just kind of a brief check-in about what they're noticing. But I, I offer this as a practice. Like I said, it's, you know, it's not, necessarily that you're going to do this one time and you're going to have all the answers, but I like this check-in because it's really simple. You can do it. You can literally go into the bathroom at work and close your eyes for 10 seconds and say, how am I doing right now? Mm. Um, you know, am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I anxious? Do I need to take a deep breath? Do I need to move my body and take a break and go for a walk? Um, and those simple things, you know, each one of those things isn't necessarily going to change 
the course of your life or make a big decision for you, but you can start to make choices about what you're needing that, that continue to build on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it really is the practice of listening to yourself and meeting your own needs that's going to get you closer and closer to what is aligned for you and what feels good and what feels right for you. Um, so hopefully that makes sense and it fits with what we're talking about today, yeah. just in terms of continuing to check in and getting more information about, um, about what we're needing based on what's showing up in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is the only place we can start really. I think otherwise it's just your mind sort of planning and analyzing and thinking about what you should do, but then you'll get in. And I've done this before. Then you get into a situation that made sense in your brain, but your body hates it and you're still miserable. Exactly. So this is like, I think body check-ins, it's like the building blocks. It's where we have to start and return to always. Um, what would you say? So I think this is something that we've both practiced in our lives, but for people who are just starting out or if they feel like, you know, maybe they have a chronic illness or they have trauma in the body, do you have any thoughts on, um, how to work with this if it doesn't really feel safe to be in your body or if, um, your body feels like a hard place to sort of be, um, what would you say, I guess, if this feels difficult or a little bit scary to someone? Yeah. And that's a big question. And I have a lot of different thoughts on that. So hopefully this will be helpful. Um, so that is a real thing and trauma and anxiety can affect our bodies in ways that make us feel like we can't trust our bodies or it doesn't feel safe. Um, I usually give instructions with this. If anything feels intense, painful, scary, um, to pull yourself out of the exercise or to um, transition to something, some kind of, some body awareness that feels safe for you. Um, So if there's some kind of intense emotional experience that comes up, try shifting your awareness just to your breath or um, to your feet on the ground. Um, You could play around with like, what is a way of checking in and being present with my body that doesn't feel intense or scary or painful? it's okay if it feels uncomfortable, but it shouldn't be intense or scary or painful. Mm. Um, so trust yourself and bring yourself out of it or shift your awareness to another part of your body if you need to. Um, as, as far as not trusting the body, I mean, one of my thoughts is um, that that is true for some people. And I think for some people, it's also kind of a story that we tell. I can't trust my body or I don't you know, trust myself. And in that case, it could be helpful to start with what, what do you trust about your body? Um, Mm. do you trust that, you know, when you're hungry, do you trust that, you know, when you're full, do you trust that, you know, when you're tired, do you trust that, you know, when you're anxious or sad? Um, and that can be a starting point of saying, there's a lot of fuzzy information for me, but this is what I do know. Like I can trust that I know when I'm hungry and I know when I'm full. Um, and that can be a way of building trust in the body of saying, actually, there are some signals that I recognize and that I like really trust. And, um, you know, that can be a starting point for learning to trust my body or just thinking my body for the information it's, it's giving me mm-hmm. for some people, I think, you know, if this is a really big thing and it, and it runs deep and it feels really scary, there's a lot of support out there, you know, therapy, coaching, um, meditation can be helpful, 
Um, any sort of body-centered or somatic therapies are um, based around, there are a lot of healing modalities now that are based around the healing in the body. And so if it feels really big or scary or overwhelming to take on yourself, just know that there's lots of support and lots of options out there that can help heal the body and help to build that trust in the body also. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. I think on, yeah. um, at sort of a, on a different level, I think I would just say that this is a practice and it's something that you practice every day throughout the day. And we each have to sort of calibrate based on what our bodies experience. So, you know, when we're full of health or when we're working with an illness or we have chronic pain, like your body, your barometer will be unique to you. Um, and I think in my experience and from what I've heard from many, many others, usually when we're checking in with something and we're kind of mulling over a question, like, should I leave my job, city, home, whatever, should I leave or should I stay? When we're mulling over a question, the truth will feel generally kind of light and spacious and simple, even if it means we have to do something really hard. It's clear. There's not really catastrophe around it. It's just, we just know it. It sort of settles into the body. It aligns. There's not usually this tension until the mind comes in and says, oh my God, there's no way I'm doing that. But when something is just fearful, like if we're imagining um, a possibility and we feel really tense or scared or limited, that's usually just fear. That's not necessarily the truth about it. That's just our brain sending signals to our body that something is scary. So for me, I think, and for many, many others, the truth will usually feel almost more simple than you can believe. Um, and it just sort of settles in and is clear. And, um, it's not this like heavy, uh, sort of torrent of feeling in the body. That's been my experience. Does that resonate for you, Megan? Yeah, it does. And I would, would add to that. Hopefully this makes sense. I, I created an exercise and I've been having lots of conversations about following positive emotion. Um, so the other side of this, I think is rather than just like responding to negative emotion as an indication of something that's not working, really getting clear. And like we were talking about with the mindfulness exercise, what does positive emotion feel like in my body? Um, how do I experience joy in my body? How do I experience inspiration in my body? I like using the word inspiration and getting really clear. Like, is it, for me, it feels like a very expansive feeling when I feel inspired by something. It's almost like a balloon inflating in my chest. And then I'll notice it, something happening. It's often a thought that comes in that deflates that. Um, and the more that I've paid attention to that, I realize that the feeling is separate from the thoughts and that it's usually my thought about what could happen or what about this or what's your plan that comes in and takes away that feeling of inspiration for me and, and sort of makes me feel like, oh, well, now that's not possible because I started thinking about it and trying to like make a plan around it and figure out all the details. Um, but I, I think that can be a helpful tool also just to clarify what what is motivating me in a positive direction versus motivating me away from pain or discomfort and to really clarify what does joy and what does inspiration feel like in my body and, and really try to define it and describe it and then notice where that comes up and how your thoughts or your experiences maybe take away that that feeling um, 
but the more that I think we can attach to that feeling and, and create awareness around it, it helps, it helps to indicate what we're moving towards and what feels good and what feels inspiring to us. And so that I think is the other side of this, of um, the more you can tune into that, you can feel like you're moving towards something positive rather than moving away from something that feels hard or painful. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Totally. I love that sort of reorientation. Um, so we always start with the body. That's the most important, I think. Um, but I want to share some thoughts about what we do sort of after that ways to kind of understand more about this question of leaving or staying, um, and to kind of work with it in terms of like career stuff. Um, So if you're in this place, I would say first that you should be really aware of any thoughts that start with, I have to, or I should. (laughs) Those kinds of thoughts and that thinking are really not going to help you in this process um, because they generally indicate that you are comparing yourself to others or you're setting your, um, your decisions about yourself and your career based on what people around you or your parents or whoever, um, think you should do, or, you know, I have to is often a sign that you're in that state of sort of black and white thinking about your situation and you can, we want to sort of get you out of that. So I would say first notice those kinds of thoughts. Um, if you're wondering about whether or not it really is time to leave something behind and venture into new territory, I would say that we usually know it's time for something to end when there's no energy left. Either you have no energy for it or the people you're serving have no energy for it. I think something is done when it feels really hard, draining, and heavy, when our the investment we're putting in is really not generating a lot of return. Um, that doesn't mean that it wasn't once helpful or the right thing. It just means that at this point, you know, we want to help you get into a place where there there is that more sort of, quote, positive or like flow of energy that Megan was talking about. I would also say just from a career coach standpoint, we know now that most employees are not staying in their jobs more than about three years right now. Um, People are changing all of the time. That change is even more rapid among freelancers and entrepreneurs. So let yourself kind of be free of the expectation that you should be in a place for a prescribed amount of time. Um, Some people get everything they need or were meant to learn through a job in one year. Some people need to be there 10 years before that role has really been served and they've done the work that they needed to do there. So the timelines are completely fluid. None is better than the other. You know, what may have worked for you five years ago, three years ago, even one year ago might just not fit anymore. You know, it has never been spring 2019 for you before. So this is not the same as spring seasons in the past. And that's fine. That's natural. That's perfect. Your path isn't going to look like anyone else's because it's yours. So just, you know, I would say just let go of the comparison as much as you can. Um, Another thing that comes up for a lot of people around leaving something is the guilt or emotional piece of kind of breaking up with a job or an organization or a manager. Um, And I just want to honor that and speak to it a little bit. Um, 
I'll just say again that nothing lasts forever. It's normal and healthy for people to leave a job or leave a position or leave a career path. Um, if you work for an organization, I can tell you having been in human resources that they can let you go at any time. Um, there's really no obligation to you as an employee. So if you're feeling a lot of guilt about the idea of leaving, um, it may help you to remember that, um, they may not be, uh, as anxious about letting you go. So just know that, um, you can quit something very graciously and you do that by getting really clear with yourself first, doing a body check-in, getting clear about your timeline, how you'd like to leave, um, being really, really clear and grounded in that. And then communicating that to whoever needs to know if you decide to leave something, communicating that without apology or groveling, you know, acknowledging the effects of it, acknowledging that someone might be really disappointed or hurt, but not taking that on, not taking on that emotional burden. Um, and then wrapping things up as cleanly as you can, you know, this doesn't have to be a horrible, horrible process. We can let things go much more easily, um, and cleanly. So, um, Two other things I want to share about how to move in this place are one to, again, to really open up the options. Um, in terms of career development, I would say network, network, network. Um, explore your options. Imagine yourself as a pollinator right now, really floating around, checking things out, trying a little bit of everything, um, taking little actions, even if you're not sure where they lead. Really follow what is interesting or appealing to you and try not to question it so much, like Megan said, but really let that positive feeling that somatic experience really lead you and guide the way. Um, if you know deep down that you need to leave a thing or you need to stay with a thing, even if it feels hard, I encourage you to just sit with that for a while. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to do that tomorrow or even next month. You can just sort of sit with that inner knowing that truth and kind of let yourself acclimate to it. Again, notice the thoughts that come in that say, well, you can't, or you should stay, or you should leave, or whatever they are, um, and just sit there um, and be with that for a little bit and kind of let that integrate into your system. And then once you've done that, you can build a bridge into something new this spring and this summer. And this is the last thing that we want to talk about. So how can you kind of after checking in with your body, giving yourself permission to make change, sitting with that truth, that knowing that you sense inside of you, then, you know, how can you build this bridge into something that's really for you? Um, so Megan, what would you share in terms of mindfulness or self-care tips for someone who has sort of come to their knowing about what needs to happen and is ready to kind of take the first steps? Yeah. So I, I, hopefully this answers your, your, your question and the, the direction that you're going with that. I hear a lot of different definitions for self-care and the one that I use, the way that I think about it, it, it really ties into mindfulness. To me, self-care is about being present with yourself and listening to yourself. Um, it's about creating space for yourself. And so the things that I find are most helpful are um, you know, when we're so busy, it can feel like there isn't even time to listen to our own thoughts or to check in with our body or to take care of any of our needs. And so wherever you can find that space to really get 
clear and listen to yourself. Um, journaling has been really helpful for me because that's a place to give space to my thoughts. Um, you know, I can actually give them attention. I can look at them. I can think about them differently. Meditation can be really helpful. Time spent in nature, just being quiet, just kind of um, allowing that peaceful feeling of being in nature without a lot of stimulation. The mindfulness check-in that I shared, taking those moments to check in with your body and just ask what's showing up in my body, what is that telling me about what I might be needing. Um, processing space, being able to, to talk to friends, being able to talk to a therapist, a coach, um, accessing you know personal growth materials. But, but I really think of it as this, this idea of creating space for yourself. It's not a to-do list. I'm going to go through this checklist and that's what self-care is. It's finding those moments to get quiet and be clear and just check in with yourself about how you're doing, about what you're needing, about what feels aligned for you. And almost inevitably, when we talk about creating space for oneself, the next conversation is about boundaries. That that almost always involves, I'm going to have to say no to something. I'm going to have to cut this short. Um, I'm going to have to do something that's maybe a little uncomfortable to get this, this space for my, myself. Um, one area, something that was helpful for me, I mean, in the age that we're in now of social media, paying attention to what sort of influence you're letting in. Um, who do you follow? How do you feel about the influence? You know, are you following people? people who, a lot of people who are at your current job or in a situation that you're thinking about leaving. And that feels like sort of a, a tie to that experience. And it feels like it's hard to get clear about what's true for you. So I think um, that can be an area to look at. How do I feel when I'm on social media? Is it helpful to take a break? Is it helpful to, um, you know, be intentional about who I'm following and about what stimulation is getting in? Um, and then boundaries could also come up in relationships. It might be saying, you know, like I, I need to leave a little bit early or, um, I would like 20 minutes of quiet to myself, or I'm going to do this thing on, on my own because it's important to me. Um, but, but that always feels very closely connected to me that in order to create space for ourselves, there's probably going to be areas of our life where we have to say no or set boundaries to be able to have that space for ourselves and to let it be quiet. Mm -hmm. I experience part of my, my move to where I am is I feel very overstimulated in the city. And that's part of what has drawn me more and more towards nature is for me, nature is a place where I feel like I can get quiet. I can hear my own thoughts. My body can sort of readjust. I'm not responding to all the stimulation of everything that's happening around me anymore that I can kind of reset and get clear with myself. Um, so I would, I, I offered a lot of suggestions, but I would ask people to think about what does creating space for yourself look like and how do you tune in and listen to your own voice? What do you need to be able to tune in and listen to your own voice and have that be louder and clearer so that you can continue to follow all that? Yeah, I love that. Thank you for bringing in the boundaries piece. I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. It is the other side of that coin. And I, I would add even putting boundaries around the worry or the analysis. So, you know, do you need an hour each week where you're allowed to just worry or like be really stressed out yes. about what could come through this yes. change? But after that hour, you know, it stays in that container. Yeah. Um, so really putting boundaries around your internal processes as well as your external kind of relationships and time. Um, 
one of my favorite things to do that is really small, um, but I think is a good starting point once you've sort of checked in and created that space for yourself is to create a physical space in your home as sort of an altar or like a place where this question or this change or this potential lives. So if you could create a little vignette of what you want next in your career or in your life, you know, what would that look like? Um, would it be a little, uh, you know, a candle with maybe a card or a stone that you like or a flower? How can you create sort of a physical representation of what you want to experience next in your home and, and look at that and come back to that and sort of use it as a place to hold your process? Um, so these are all ways that you can kind of check in with yourself about the decision that's in front of you really take care of yourself in the midst of that and then begin to take small steps, really letting yourself explore and create and give yourself lots of options this time of year so that by the time summer comes around, you are, you know, big in yourself, in your authentic self, you're clear about what's next. Um, and, and I would be remiss in, in not mentioning that that's really what we're going to explore and support people in doing in the summer course. Um, so yeah, this is all, I think, really helpful and we'll go into more depth in the school. Um, Megan, anything else you want to add about what we've talked about before we wrap up? Um, yeah, I mean, I would, I would just say also that this is a big question. This is a big topic. I was really excited to see the topic that you chose and I kind of teared up a little bit about it and the idea of talking about my own experience. So I, I would just want to validate for everybody that this is big stuff and it's okay that it's hard and it's okay if it takes time and it's okay if the answer isn't clear. Something that I'm really working on is sitting with the questions and that's not something that we're taught to do in our society at all. Um, we want to make a plan. This is what I'm going to do and this is how I get the information and I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to move forward. And so just validating that this is an experience that we all have and that there are times that we just don't have the answer. We just don't have enough information and we keep taking care of ourselves and we keep checking in and listening to ourselves. Um, and it's okay if that's where you're at and if things are hard and if you don't have the answer right now, that is a normal part of the process too. So I think that's just important for people to know this is something that we're all in together and there can be a point of connection and realizing that like we're all in this kind of messy chaotic experience and um you know but but we can talk about it we can share that with other people we can find ways to take care of ourselves while we're in it um and know that it also won't last forever but that maybe we just don't have the answers just yet mm -hmm. yeah beautiful thank you so much so I will include a link to Megan's website and her Instagram account at Inspired Life Northwest. I encourage you to follow her, check out her work. Um, and again, there will be links to our summer session and to the webinar on June 6th in the notes. Um, thank you so much for being here and sharing this time with us. Thank you, Megan, for your insights. Um, and we'll say bye for now. Yeah, thank you as well. I just want to say, I love you so much. You're such a wonderful, dear friend. And I love everything that you're doing. I'm so happy to be a part of this with you. And um, thank you again for inviting me on your podcast.
Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for being here. Okay. A Wild New Work will be back in your podcast feed in a couple of weeks. And take good care. Bye.